Chapter Twenty Six of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Twenty Six, The Catastrophe of the Whole. Poor Horatio, released as I have already said from his worse than Turkish bondage, had now, with the companions of his misfortunes, left a country where they had suffered so much and had so little to hope that their enlargement seemed even to themselves a miracle as they parted miserable and forlorn through those provinces where about a year before they had marched with so much pomp and force as together with the king of sweden's name inspired admiration and terror over all those parts of the world it filled them with the most poignant anguish and drew tears from those among them least sensible of any tender emotions all this disconsolate company except horatio being swedes they made the best of their way some to stockholm and others to stralsund now left alone a long journey before him and altogether uncertain what reception he should find at paris either from dorilaus or mademoiselle charlotta his condition was extremely pitiable and he stood in need of more fortitude than could be expected from his years to enable him to go through it the nearer he approached paris the greater was his shock at the necessity of appearing there in the despicable figure he now made but his courage still got the better and surmounted all difficulties if dorilaus thinks my disobedience to his commands a crime too great to merit his forgiveness would he say to himself or charlotta disdains in his misfortunes the faithful horatio i have no more to do than to return to poland and seek an honourable death in the service of stanislaus he made his entrance into that opulent city through the most byways he could and concealed himself till towards night in a little cabaret where having soon been informed where dorilaus lived he went when it was quite dark to his house though how divided between hope and fear it is easy to imagine he knocked at the gate which being opened by the porter and he desiring to speak with his master was answered with many impertinent questions as who he came from what his business was and such like interrogatories which the sauciness of servants generally put to persons such as this fellow took horatio to be by his appearance but he had no sooner desired he would tell dorilaus that he came from russia and brought intelligence of horatio that his tone of voice and behaviour was quite changed our traveller was now carried into a parlour and entreated to sit down and the late surly porter called hastily for one of the servants bidding him with the utmost joy run in and inform his master that here was a person come from russia that could give him news of colonel horatio this a little raised the lately depressed spirits of horatio as it assured him that his name was not unknown in that family nor had been mentioned with indifference he attended but a very little time before he was showed up into dorilaus's apartment who was just opening his mouth to inquire if horatio were yet living and in what condition when he saw it was himself surprise and joy rendered him incapable either of speaking to him or hearing the apologies he was beginning to make for having disobeyed his commands and he fell upon his neck and gave him an embrace which dissipated all horatio's fears 
and left him no room to doubt if his peace was made no words were exchanged between them for a considerable time but oh my dear son my ever-loved horatio on the one side my more than father patron on the other at length the tumultuous rapture of so unexpected a meeting and reception giving way to a more peaceful calm dorilaus made horatio relate all the particulars had happened to him and when he had ended now said he i will reward the sincerity i easily perceive you have made use of in this narrative by acquainting you in my turn with secrets you are far from having any notion of and which i believe will compensate for all your sufferings and make you own that while you seemed to groan under the utmost severities of fortune she was preparing for you all the blessings in her power to give and even more than your ambition aimed at but i have first a message to dispatch continued he at my return you shall know all with these words he went out of the room but came back in a moment and after renewing his embraces to horatio revealed to him the whole secret of his birth with all that had happened to louisa till the time of their happy meeting in paris with what pleasing wonder the soul of horatio was filled at this discovery is much more easy to conceive than describe so i shall leave it to the reader's imagination to guess what it was he felt and spoke on so extraordinary an occasion while he was pouring out the transports it occasioned in the most grateful thanks to heaven and his new-found father louisa entered dorilaus having sent to the baron de palfoy's where he knew she was to let her know a messenger from russia was arrived with news of her brother they instantly knew each other though it was upwards of four years since they were separated and in that time the stature of both considerably increased nothing could exceed the joy of these amiable twins never was felicity more perfect which yet received addition on horatio's part when louisa told him that it was as much as charlotta could do to restrain herself from coming with her to hear what account the supposed messenger had brought dorilaus on this immediately sent to let her know his son was well and expected in paris the next day for he would not suffer him to appear before her or the baron till a habit was made for him more agreeable to his condition than he had arrived in it is certain that the impatience of a lover would have made horatio gladly waive this ceremony but he would not a second time dispute the commands of his father but wherefore should i delay the attention of the reader who i doubt not but easily perceives by this time how things will end so i shall only say that the meeting of horatio and charlotta was such as might be expected from so arduous and constant an affection that everything having been settled between the two fathers at the time they sent their joint mandates to call him home there now remained nothing but to celebrate the long-desired nuptials which was deferred no longer than was requisite for preparations to render the ceremony magnificent the generous duplessis and his beloved louisa were also united the same day and it would be hard to say which of these weddings afforded most satisfaction to the friends on both sides or were attended with the most happy consequences for the persons concerned in them 
by these examples we may learn that to sustain with fortitude and patience whatever ills we are preordained to suffer entitles us to relief while by impatient struggling we should but augment the score and provoke fate to show us the vanity of all attempts to frustrate its decrees Finney. End of chapter twenty six End of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Fowler Haywood